This podcast is now streaming on the Accounting Influencers main show. Subscribe to the Accounting Influences podcast to listen to more content just like this. You can also watch this episode on YouTube. Please like and subscribe to learn even more from the very best experts, thought leaders and influencers in the accounting and fintech world. Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents UK Matters in Accounting. Welcome to UK Matters in Accounting with me, Rob Brown. I'm thrilled to have with me today our regular guest host, Carl Reader. Good day to you, Carl. Hey, Rob. How are you? You doing well? We're splendid. Carl, we're in 2023. This is one of five shows that are going out this January, but we're changing this. If you're a subscriber to this show, make sure you check out Success in Accounting if you're not subscribed to that one already. That is our flagship show going out every Monday to 30,000 accountants in 150 countries. That will in February become our Accounting Influencers podcast, giving you the very best interviews and panel discussions with the people that really count in the accounting and fintech world. But we're back here to UK Matters in Accounting. This is under the supposition that everything in the world happens revolving around the UK, Carl. But you've got something to say to us today on recalibrating those engagements with your accounting clients. So uh, set this one up for us. Yeah, of course. So, Rob, this is, without it being promoted as such, a part two to the podcast I did with you yesterday. So for those listening... And that was on our best practice in accounting show, and that one was on, well, getting paid promptly, wasn't it, Carl, really, in today's... It it was. It, It was. So what I would recommend, first things first, once you've listened to this, go back and listen to the other one as well, because the two are kind of interlinked. And um, those that know me will know that Rob has had the immense pleasure of speaking to me a fair bit recently. So um, what I wanted to do specifically for the UK market, and the reason I say specifically for the UK market is because this isn't a point up for debate in other nations. It's something that's done as standard practice, is I wanted to talk at the end of tax season about why we should be looking at resetting the engagements we have with all of our tax clients, and in fact, all of our clients across the business. So let me lay some groundwork to this to um, to give the context of what I'm talking about and what on earth is resetting, renewing, et cetera, et cetera. When we look at engagement letters in the UK, we tend to look at them as a necessary evil. And I know I've certainly done that. So you might happen to see the update from your institute or association that tells you that there's been an update for GDPR or money laundering or similar. And you think, oh, my word, I need to go through and update all my engagement letters. So you do it. And it's a really painful job. You get them all updated. You send them out. You might use a tool to do it, whatever you do. And you, know, you breathe that sigh of relief, don't you? Because it's done. And surely nothing much is going to change over the next couple of years, particularly with a recession and Brexit and all of this stuff. We're going to be untouched, aren't we? So that is how engagement letters have always been in the UK. If we were to look at certainly Australia and I believe the US, it is mandated and it is best practice to update them annually. Now, I say that and it might send shivers up the spine of any firm that has not done this before. Why on earth would we choose 
to take that painful process that we do every four years, five years when we're told to do it and voluntarily do it annually. I'm going to give you the reason why I believe that as a leader of a firm, you should be thinking about this stuff and making sure that you have an annual process to do it. So there's no time like the present. Let's forget the economy. Let's forget all of the fallout of what's going on around us. Let's forget tax season. And let's look at the fact that it's something that can help your business. So what is an annual renewal of an engagement letter? It's really simple. It's what I've said. It's annually reviewing, renewing, and reconfirming the engagement with your client. Now, typically, what would happen in a firm that works in the old way? And again, I know this because I've been in practice for 20 odd years. I've you've seen it. You take on a client. Let's say you take on the client in the year 2000 just to give me a nice easy date to work from. You agree that you're going to do the work. Let's say back in 2000, you did the work 750 quid. You have an engagement letter and so on. But at that time, you're not using online technology. You're not using outsources, et cetera, et cetera. You haven't updated anything in your terms of engagement. It's very vanilla. It's very wet ink, old school. 2001 comes, nothing's changed. You're not online, et cetera, et cetera. GDPR hasn't come, money laundering regs haven't come, but you've increased the fee slightly. You haven't spoken to the client in advance of increasing the fee because that's the way it's done. You mm. send your invoice out every year and it just so happens it goes up by 25, 50 quid, et cetera, et cetera. Now, that might seem acceptable to you because it was acceptable to those that came before you in the firms that you trained in, et cetera, et cetera. However, from a, from a customer perspective, do we like it as individuals when we get a bill from the post and we don't know how much it is? Do we like it when it's presumed that we're renewing and that we're going to continue with, let's say, a software subscription with an annual subscription? It's presumed that they can charge our cards rather than asking us if we really want to resubscribe. I know for me that the moment a bit of software auto renews annually, I unsubscribe, I moan about it, I never go near it again because it hits you out of the blue. So there is, whilst there is a reason in terms of legislation to change engagement letters, which has driven the timescales before, there's a commercial reason to do it. So why should firms be looking at updating their engagement letters with all clients, putting in an annual review process? I'm of a strong belief that the annual review meeting that an accountant can have with their client, now it could be a five minute phone call, it could be a formal face-to-face meeting, your firm, you decide, but the meeting can be really powerful for you in dictating the shape of your business going forwards. Mm. So it's not about fixing historic problems, although there is a bit of that that comes in with payments, which I touched on in yesterday's episode, but there's a whole host of it that actually creates the firm you want in the future. So you can ask yourself a few questions at this renewal process. First of all, do you still want this client? We all know that there's clients that we don't particularly enjoy working with. They might be hard work. They might be um, late payers. Again, if you've got that, listen to a previous episode, et cetera, et cetera. We call we, these BMWs, don't we, Carl? Bitches, moaners and whiners. That's the one. I wasn't going to swear, but I'll allow, I'll allow you to do it, Rob. Um, <laughs> that's as is, much as I swear, though, Carl, with the, with the bitches, <laughs> moaners and whiners, the BMWs. So there's a, there's a whole host of these BMWs, as, as we say. And my word, don't we see it on social media? We see accountants moaning about their clients. Well, does that make you any better? Let's be honest. But we don't get rid of them, though, Carl, do we? We don't. This is, this is it. First thing you need to ask yourself in that review process is to man up or lady up. Hmm. If you feel inclined to moan about that client online and 
and BMW about how they're treating you, how they're treating your team members, how hard work they are, how unrealistic they are, etc. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Grow up and get rid of them. So mm. that's the first thing that it allows you to do. The second thing is it allows you to systemize your inflationary fees without upsetting your clients. We live in inflationary times. If you've not yeah. been inflating your fees, and many firms had, I believe, in the deluded belief of supporting their clients, held back on inflation and so on. I don't think clients now are particularly thanking them for that. Um, but it had a much bigger impact from a cumulative perspective on their firm. Secondly, you got the opportunity to deliver the inflation message in the right way and to smooth it out if you're doing things properly by linking it through to your payments and so on. Mm. Thirdly, it allows you to review the what you're doing with that client to make sure that they are making the most of the services you offer as a practice. So are there any other services that you can offer them that you feel would be a benefit to them and that they are willing to buy? A great way of doing this, in my opinion, is, and I, I vested interest a lot, I do serve as head of accounting at Ignition, but is to demonstrate at renewal time free options. Because we know that pricing with free tiers is the most powerful way of pricing at the outset. Yeah, it's been proven in various studies, various books about psychology. It's been proven by Microsoft, Apple, Starbucks, all of these companies that do it. We've seen the results of Dell who increased their profitability by over 50% by doing it. That's not up for debate, despite the hot air in the industry. Three tiers for pricing and having a approach like that allows you to um, be more intentional with your pricing. When it comes to renewal, it allows you to present at the point of renewal what it is the client's not getting. So you can present to them what it is they had last year, which is last year's fees plus 10%, what they could have from a silver option or whatever you call it, what they could have from a gold option. The reason you do that is not just to make more money and to get more people to click the middle option. And there's a whole host of stuff about that that you can dive into and reach out to myself or Rob if you want any more content on that side of things. But there's a really powerful thing here. We're coming into really difficult times for business owners and business owners are going to need more from you as an advisor. Not only are they choosing what they want to purchase from you, but importantly and critically, they're choosing what they're not purchasing from you. So if your gold service includes funding applications and cash flow projections and day-to-day -day cash management and so on, when they come to you in six months' time and say, I'm in, I'm in the brown stuff and I need some help, there's no argument or debate over whether it's included within the fees because you've got a signed document that has said that they declined to take that service. And you can only get that through a tool like Ignition that allows you um, tiered options to be able to be presented to a client. So it allows you to do that as well. Now, historically, we've used that as an upsell process at DNT and um, I think now more than ever, it's something that firms should be thinking about because we know we've all got those smaller clients who we were caught on a bad day or we've discounted their fees or whatever. We've all got them, despite the noise in the industry, they don't exist. Of course they exist. Let's be real. They all exist. And we're conflicted because we don't really want to help them because they're not paying enough to be helped. Whereas the ones who are paying more are really easy to deal with. So this allows you to iron out those issues and have a central point of truth as to why you can't deliver it down the line. And then finally, and this one is not about legislation. It's not about institute and ACCA requirements. 
but it's commercially for you as a business. Your engagement letter with your client is a contract and it is binding until it's superseded. Most firms only change their terms and conditions and their engagement letters when they absolutely have to. Money laundering, GDPR and so on. Yeah. Well, have you changed the way you're working with your customers? Have you changed the expectations that you have on your customers? Have you changed where the data's placed? Have you changed um, the primary point of contact? Have you changed your complaints procedures? Have you changed your refunds policy because people were taking the mickey? All of these things that are commercially beneficial for you to review as a business owner, and you absolutely should be looking at them quarterly, not annually, you know, are my T's and C's, are the way that I do business now reflected in the letters that will be hauled up in a court of law if things go bad? On an ideal opportunity to update them on that process. Yeah. And having a bit of software that does it all for you just makes life easy. No, it makes so much sense, Carl. We're setting expectations, recalibrating the engagement for the benefit of all parties. Absolutely right. Yeah. And if we do that, We'll be in a better place going forward. We've got to have robust processes. And it's really, it's really important to say that this isn't about repricing. I know that there's a lot of pricing experts out there and a lot of noise about how renewals are used for one thing and one thing only, which is repricing. Um, it just so happens that that might coincide with their pricing methodology or their bit of software that they're promoting or some other reason why they're doing it. It might just happen. Yeah, that might just be the reason why they think that's best practice. And reviewing pricing is important. It's a key driver of your profitability. However, it's only one part of the holistic management of your firm. And when it comes to running a strong firm, it comes down to things like risk. It comes down to operations. It comes down to customer experience. It comes down to all of this stuff that you need to consider. And yes, pricing is important, but why not wrap it all up at once? Yeah. Calvary, really practical insight. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Certainly a heads up for all the UK accounting firms and firm owners to consider as we future-proof our firm and look to be in a better place in these uncertain terms. And a reminder as we just close off this episode that the show is phasing out this UK Matters in Accounting. So make sure you subscribe to our Monday flagship show where you'll get bonuses on UK stuff like this. We'll have Carl coming back sharing a few more things that relate to the UK uh, accounting firm, profession, industry, whatever we're going to call it. Carl, thanks again for your time today. That's been great. Rob, thank you so much. And to everyone listening, happy last few days of January. Good luck. We've got you back. Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents UK Matters in Accounting. 